This podcast contains mature themes and explicit language. Movie Lovers is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. But fuck you. Fuck guys. Fuck you. And fuck you and your fucking shorts with all the fucking awesome pockets. I just went to a 2000s drag brunch and I dressed up like Avril Lavigne and I wore a pair of your cargo shorts. And I had so many awesome pockets. I didn't need a bag. I could put my cell phone and my wallet and my chapstick and fucking makeup shit all in the pockets. And I didn't have to carry anything. Fucking hate you. What is up, Jacobson? What is up, Dr. Mario Loser? Oh, yeah. So, Mallory just kicked my ass in Dr. Mario. and Twice. Twice. And this was a very rare occurrence. So, (laughs) everyone out there, try to make her feel good about it. How we doing? (laughs) Here we are. Episode 20. Episode 20. Congratulations to us. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers with my coffee and you can cheers some water. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. I'm having... I just tried to swallow into the mic as loud as I could. (laughs) I hope it picked that up. I'm having coffee at 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, what's up with that? You're going to be up all night. Ooh, that might not be a bad thing. Brown chicken brown. Hey, what do you call a sexy farm? Brown chicken brown cow. That's right. <laughs> I've nice. heard your jokes a few times. That's true. Well, hey, I'm Jonah. I'm a musician and a composer and a dude. And I'm Mally. I'm a marketing specialist and designer and a chick. This is true. Tis true. Uh, but above all else, we are Movie Lovers. Movie Lovers is a podcast where we take turns picking the movie each week, whether the other one wants to watch it or not, and we discuss our list of topics. Doing this podcast every week gives us an opportunity to make the other one watch the movies we've been putting off since we met in 2015, which is surprisingly a lot of movies, turns out. True story. Truth and more Truth. What have we been watching lately? Uh, Black Widow was awesome. Yes. Yeah, not like the best Marvel movie in the world, but it was really fun. I fucking love... Is it David Harbour? Is mm-hmm. that his name? From Stranger Things. And Florence Pugh is fucking awesome. Actually, watching that movie made me listen to the genre vision episode on the movie Midsummer because I had Florence Pugh on the brain. Oh, okay. Remember you you popped in at like the end of that and saw the guy get put in the bear suit. Right. That was so weird. <laughs> that whole movie so fucked up. <laughs> so okay. So yeah, Black Widow, not the best Marvel movie, but also not the worst. But the worst Marvel movie is still good. I think so a lot of people would say it's um, Thor: The Dark World. I feel like Captain Marvel got shit on a lot. That's just because people were, you know. I really liked it. And, you know, you were listening to a video earlier that was talk. Was the point of that video to talk about the new Thor movie and then he just went off on a tangent? Or was he just shitting on all the Marvel shit? Um, he was shitting on Marvel Phase 4. Okay, Phase 4. Yeah. Uh, but he was talking some major smack about Captain Marvel. And I was just like, I'm sorry she doesn't have her tits out and isn't smiling the whole time. Right. So I like Captain Marvel, so sue me. 
So, 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 uh, so this episode obviously is about the Devil Wears Prada, um, which Mallory chose. It's your turn. Yeah. After three episodes of other people picking movies, which is so much fun, but next time if we have multiple ones of those, we're going to space them out because I got kind of sad not being able to pick a movie. Sure. Well, you got to pick a movie this week. Yes. And, um... Yeah, I picked The Devil Wears Prada because it was a Jacobson household classic growing up. Came out in 2006, I believe, which was my junior year of high school. Maybe 2005? No. 2006? This movie came out in 2006. Yeah? Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the assist. Uh, so yeah, I was a... Either a junior in high school or just starting my senior year in high school, and... Yeah, I just, we watched the shit out of this movie in my house. And I knew you would think it was funny, because it is just a hilarious movie. And yeah, that's why I picked it. It was really funny. I really liked it. I was so glad you did. And um, I am, you know, at the end, I'm supposed to say, oh, I'm glad you made me watch this movie. But I'll say it at the beginning. I am glad you made me watch this movie. For this podcast specifically, I never would have watched this. Because to me, on the surface, it just looked like some weird chick flick about a devil or something. <laughs> like, I actually Cute. thought, going into it, I thought that, like, Meryl Streep was actually the devil in disguise or some, you know, like, some silly thing like that. Right. I like, guess I didn't make you watch a trailer. True. But I'm glad I didn't, because I liked not knowing what it was about going into it. Right. I enjoy movies more that way, actually. That's a perfect segue. Why don't we watch the trailer now that we've watched the movie? Let's do it. Miranda Priestley is the editor-in-chief of Runway. So you don't read Runway? No. Not to mention a legend. And before today, you'd never heard of me? No. You work a year for her, and you can get a job at any magazine you want. You have no style or sense of fashion. I, I... No, no. That wasn't a question. You got a job at a fashion magazine? What was it, a phone interview? Who is that? Are we doing a before and after piece I don't know about? <laughs> In the world of high fashion. There you are, Emily. Actually, it's Andy. My name is Andy. A million girls would kill for this job. There's some reason that my coffee isn't here. Did she go to Rwanda for the beans or something? Where so much is at stake. I need 10 or 15 skirts. The boys! The boys! Hello? Where are my eggs? Lingerie. She is vicious. Andy Sachs is about to discover. She hates me, Nigel. There's a way that you can help me. Little Chris go on some fishing line and we're in business. It's not just about what you wear. What do you think? (laughs) Andy, you look so chic. You look so thin. Do I? Just one stomach flew away from my gold weight. It's about who you are. Nate. I got it. Let me talk to her. No, 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 I like the the trailer voice guy. The devil wears Prada. You can tell that we've crossed over into the 2000s because the trailers sound different. Yeah. You get that kind of, that trailer voice guy in a world (laughs) where your job is the most important thing in your life. 
Thanks for that, Mallory. Thank you. I'm winning at life. Absolutely. So when... Wow, that's a stupid question. When is your first memory with this movie? Um, a few hours ago when we watched it. <laughs> um, like I said, saw it when I was in high school. I really don't know that I saw it in theaters, to be quite honest. Owned it on DVD, watched it, you know, a few times, a couple few times a year mm-hmm. in our house, I'm sure. My mom was a huge Meryl Streep fan, as am I. I read the book. It's based on a book. Is she related to Streryl Meep? I hate you. And I really, I love the book and the movie, and not because I'm into fashion, but just because it's an awesome story and the writing is so good and all the oh. acting is so good. You're obviously not into fashion. <laughs> As I'm hanging out in my leggings and my band t-shirt. Whatever. Ooh. You know, I think you're adorable. But uh, any indicator of my first memories with this movie, I remember, you know, they drink a lot of Starbucks. There's a lot of, like, going on Starbucks runs. Starbucks seemed so fancy to me then. Because I'm from a very, very small town. And back in 2006, 2007, I don't know if Starbucks was, like, what it is now. How it's just, like, the corporate coffee shop. Like, back then, it was like, ooh, they're fancy. They drink Starbucks. Like, I had to drive 45 minutes to get to a Starbucks. Well, that's because you grew up in a hick town in the middle of nowhere. But also, like, I feel like even in 2006, 2006, <laughs> shut it, Jacobson, <laughs> there was a Starbucks on every street corner. Was there? I mean, I just was living such a sheltered life up until I moved out of my hometown. In Woodbury, you could literally, like, you know how there's that Starbucks right in front of the Target that has a Starbucks in it? So you could have, like, buy a Starbucks and then walk a thousand feet and to a Starbucks. To a Starbucks. <laughs> and now in Woodbury, there's, like, a total of, like, ten Starbucks is Starbucks Starbucks I Starbucks no okay we're done <laughs> we're done <laughs> so yeah plot rundown Mally explains movies yeah yeah 30 seconds or less this movie is starring Anne Hathaway and she is an aspiring writer who I'm assuming has just graduated college not that long ago and she gets a call about a job opening at Runway Magazine, which is the equivalent of Vogue Magazine. And she doesn't read Runway. She's never heard of the person whose assistant she's going to apply to be, who is the head of the magazine. She's not fashionable, blah, 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 that whole thing. And she gets the job. It's a lot of her fucking up and her boss being a psycho. And she goes from being shabby looking to being chic which have very princess diary overtones because that's exactly what happened to her in princess diaries if you've ever even seen that movie why would i have seen that movie oh fuck that's going on the list no it doesn't need to why it's a good movie Uh, well all right i'm not allowed there's no veto power so i'm not allowed to say no you're not anyway so Aside from the actual story of her with the job and the, and the devilish boss, there are themes of coming into your career and dealing with relationships and your job and becoming the person you're going to become and all that kind of good shit. Right. There we go. Okay. That is the movie. Uh, explaining movies is your superpower. Is it really? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I used to come home from work and then I would get a Mally Explains Movies no matter what, about whatever it was that you had been watching, you had to, like, sit there and give me the entire plot synopsis. So that's how that category was birthed. Right. I'd just be so excited, and you're my only friend. 
I mean, that's not true. You're my only... Well, I'm your only friend that comes home from work. Right, right, right. At late at night. At this point, we actually do have friends in the Twin Cities and stuff now. Yeah, we have, have, uh, like, five. Yeah, we're swimming in them. Our problem is that our friends live live overseas or in different states. Yeah, right. Um, I actually... My first memory with the movie was uh, Michael Scott quoting it in The Office. Do you remember that episode? Uh, no, I've only watched The Office once through, as opposed to okay. your, like, 12 times, so what was Oh, the hundreds of times. Don't 12 me, woman. <laughs> Don't 12 me. So what, I, what was the circumstance? Well, Michael Scott had watched the movie, apparently, and so he was emulating, um, what, what? Miranda. Miranda, yeah. In the episode. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I should have coffee right now, but I'm not having any at 9.30 at night because then I will be up all night. Right. Coffee just doesn't really affect me the way it used to, but it'll wake me up enough to do this fucking episode. Oh, fuck. Oh, best actor. Who's yours? Um, I had a tie, actually, between Meryl Streep and Stanley Tucci. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. Oh, my God. He had a lot of great lines and he did. super funny. Gird your loins. <laughs> the best part about Stanley Tucci, and I will bring up, like, behind-the-scenes video and show you later. He, so there's that scene where he says, gird your loins, and then there's the part when Anne Hathaway was first, like, trying on clothes and stuff. And she's like, mm-hmm. well, that fit me. And he's like, oh, a little bit of Crisco and fishing wire, and we'll be in business. Those two scenes, it's one of those situations where he improvised, and there's, like, 12 different takes and they're all funny. Okay. Like grumpy old men style with that old guy. That right. We laugh about so hard. <laughs> what was it? He's going to give her the. Looks like Chuck's going to bury the boner. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just Meredith. <laughs> Those Rest are the best actors that can do that mm-hmm. are the fucking best. Okay. So my best actor, Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. just hands down Meryl Streep. Her vocal approach to this character is so fucking brilliant it was a conscious decision to just like never speak loud and not to be the kind of boss that yells orders and i've got some cool notes in the movie magic behind the scenes stuff about like where she got the idea for that and i fucking love it okay uh but the whole you know if she were a man Nobody would have any problems with her, you know, being a bitchy boss and stuff. You know, she just, she attacked it so perfectly. She yeah. really did. So, also, I mean, this this might need to go in the controversial take category, although I sort of say something sort of derivative of that. But, like, Meryl Streep's character, in my opinion, was not, she wasn't the bad guy. She was unashamedly successful and rightfully so. And, you know, and like the way it was kind of set up or, you know, the way what I was expecting was that, you know, she was going to be this like terrible whatever. But and like, sure, she was like, you know, very hard edged and dry all the time and all that. But like her character is the chief editor of this magazine for a reason, because she got there by being really good at what she does and working hard and being dedicated. Right. So your your instincts are spot on. That's yeah. Yeah. Uh so I made side note, best supporting this is gonna be a thing because we don't need sixty thousand categories to discuss in this podcast, but 
Yes, Stanley Tucci. You just, you can't not mention him. And Emily Blunt. I fucking love Emily Blunt yeah, in this she movie. Yeah, she was great. I think, I don't remember if this is her acting debut. Otherwise, it's just pretty early in her career. There's a really cute story that, like, John Krasinski watched The Devil Wears Prada, like, a ridiculous amount of times. Because he had a huge crush on her. Oh. <laughs> so, so if I watch The Devil Wears Prada, like, uh, a bunch of times, does that mean that, like, we'll be able to date Anne Hathaway? Mm. Is that how that works? I, I wouldn't be mad about that. <laughs> All right, let's move into the O'Doyle. I kind of had a hard time on this. I see what you wrote, and I wrote the same thing. Okay, so Giselle. Giselle. Okay, Giselle's character was so pointless and stupid and was obviously just shoehorned in because they wanted to put an actual supermodel in this movie. Right. I think it... I want to say it was the writer. She was like writing the screenplay based on the book. And she was like literally on a plane to LA and Giselle was on the plane. And she was like, Oh my God, you need to be in this movie. Meryl Streep's in it here. I just, we, we got to get you in this movie. And she was like, okay, I just don't want to play a model. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put a question mark down because like, yes, she's a bitch most of the time, but like when Andy, has her cheesy motherfucking scene when she comes in and she's all, like, hot. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I am wearing the Chanel boots. Or whatever. And Giselle's like, you look good. Like, she actually caved and was a reasonable human. And was like, you look nice. So, I don't know. That's why um, I put a question mark. But Take away your question mark, because her character was annoying and pointless. Okay. That's all. <laughs> right? <laughs> what was the wee-wee-wee moment? So this was kind of tough for me because, you know what, now that I'm thinking about it and I'm like having all the scenes fly through my head, because I was going to say, like, nobody's really friends because they're all so fucking catty, but that's not true. When Andy is like in the restaurant, the first, there's like two different scenes, I think, when she's with her friend group. And they're kind of, like, bitching about their jobs and, like, to jobs that pay the rent and whatever. I feel like that's the closest we get to a wee-a-wee moment. Yeah, maybe. Because they don't really I wrote that camaraderie. Um, the fashion party? I don't know. Like, yeah, there wasn't really anything like that in this movie. So. Right, because everybody's kind of so cat-tastic. However, it is a category, and so we need to do our best. Yes. Right? And I think we did. That's, like, with the alternate porn title. Hopefully you have a good one. I do. Okay, good. Well, good is subjective, but I have one. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, you have one that you put thought and effort into. Yeah. Thank you, Mallory. I heard, right. I heard Brucey scratching at the door. He wants to be in our podcast. Yeah. He wants to be a special guest. Yeah. I mean, we could have the door open if we want. Yeah, we could, but that would require me getting up. Okay, maybe we'll wait until you stretch your legs. Yeah. You have your grandpa stretch. Uh, grandpa stretches, yeah, coming soon. <laughs> Let's talk about most iconic moment and or favorite scenes. Go. Um, the outfit montage. I thought that was cool, like how anytime, she, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. How do I describe this to our audience? So, I mean, this is a movie of montages, and I will talk about that in a second, but... Yeah, when she has had her fashionable girl makeover and the song Vogue is playing mm-hmm. and she's it's like a montage of her walking to work, but it's a bunch of different cuts. Every time a, a car passes, her outfit will change or if she walks past a person, her outfit will change. Like, yeah, they're just really creative cuts. I thought that was cool. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that was really um, cool, too. 
That or any scene with Stanley Tucci being sassy. (laughs) He's such a sassy bitch. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he's wonderful. So I agree with you about the... Like the Andy being fashionable montage. I started making notes. So there are three very awesome montages in this movie. And a montage... Hold on hold on a second. Pause. Do you know what Andy's last name is without looking? Because I know what her last name is in this movie. No, I don't remember. It's Sachs. Andy Sachs. Yeah, I, I just needed to say that now because it's coming to, come to play later. You're like, Sachs, 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 Sachs. <laughs> it's like The Weatherman, which, oh, ooh, maybe The Weatherman will be my next movie. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> but there's the whole tartar sauce thing. Right. <laughs> tartar sauce, tartar sauce, tartar sauce. Anyway, so in the beginning of the movie, in the opening credits, there's the montage of all of the chicks getting ready. Mm-hmm. And... The point of that is it's cutting between all of these like high fashion chicks and their fancy lingeries and picking out their outfits, putting their makeup on in juxtaposition of Andy getting ready and she's just throwing shit on and like putting on chapstick and like eating a fucking bagel and the other girls are like counting out almonds. Like, so there's that montage. Then there's the coat and purse montage where Mm -hmm. Miranda keeps throwing her coat and purse on Andy's desk. I love that scene. It's just super fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, just like listening to all the things that come out of Meryl Streep's mouth. She's just fucking perfect every single second of this movie. And then the Andy being fashionable thing. So a movie of montages. I love it. Um, Another scene that I think is just classic is Miranda arriving which happens early in the movie when Andy's there for her interview and the driver, Miranda's driver calls Emily and gives the heads up that she's on her way. So of course the whole office flips out. It's like, everybody's like getting out of their comfy shoes and putting their heels on and they're cleaning everything up and they're getting her desk ready and doing all of the shit. Uh, This scene, I grabbed some YouTube comments. Someone who's, fucking thing is ALG blessed one seven months ago commented I can imagine it's like this at the Ellen show yeah (laughs) yeah I really hope Ellen's not a dick you know all those like stories yeah I love Ellen anyway and then another person another person just just put one of Miranda's quotes in there where she's like details of your incompetence do not interest me when uh, Emily's trying to give all these excuses about the <laughs> whatever. She's just, she's so bitchy and perfect. And I love it. Um, and then the other, the last scene that I have down is the cerulean scene where Miranda just rips Andy a new one in the most calm fashion ever. And it's such a, like a mic drop. And then Cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact... You're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. <laughs> uh, YouTube comments that I grabbed for this one. 
Oh my God. I felt this so hard. Uh, she Felix Felix Felix. I don't know, one year ago said, um, this line gives me anxiety. The line, why is no one ready? I just love the way that Meryl Streep delivers that line. And then another comment, which unless you're a musical lame is person. I know that, um, Catherine Heigl or whatever her name is. Wait, what's the chick's name? Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. I know that she was in, uh, hold on. Don't tell me. Lay, lay, Les Miserables. <laughs> yeah, I love you. I'm an idiot. Why do you? La- you. Why do you? I love, love you so much. All right. Um, but uh, this Alexander dude, 11 months ago, commented after this roast, she cried in the bathroom, singing "I Dreamed a Dream." <laughs> Just the picture in my head of Anne Hathaway singing "I Dreamed a Dream," and like her hair is all short and her face is all dirty and shit. Yeah, crying. Perfect. Perfect visual. Uh, all right, let's move on to scenes that you hated slash least favorite scenes. What's the boyfriend's name again? Uh, Nate. Nate. Any scene that Nate was in or a part of, I'll get into that more later. I don't, I don't like him. Um, I'm going to get into that. Oh, and then the, when, uh, he threw away her corn chowder because I don't like wasting food. That's true. That's what, like when we have leftovers in the fridge and you're like, oh, I'll eat that for dinner tonight. I'm like, okay. And I come home and you forgot to eat it for dinner. And then I'm mad because we have to throw it away. I hate wasting food. I, I hate know. it. You're weird about that. It's just well, a... Well, it's a good thing to be weird about because being wasteful is stupid. Right. Like, when we got dinner tonight, I got a full rack of ribs on purpose so that I could have the second half of the ribs for breakfast tomorrow morning, which some people might think is weird, but whatever. Don't judge. Um, but if I somehow, for some reason, forget to eat those ribs tomorrow, I'm going to be very upset. Well, if you forget, I'll eat them. Okay. Because we can't waste food. Yeah. All right. Anyway. What uh, scene did you hate, Jacobson? Uh, Before I go on a Nate bashing journey, which I feel like this will be my Nate bashing moment, and you're going to have your Nate bashing moment later. Okay. Feel free to engage in it with me if it is not going to impede upon your bullet points. Uh, I'll get to that in just a second, but the other thing that I just hated it in general, uh, very early on in the movie when Andy has first started and like the phone rings and Emily just walked away and she, she's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't, Emily. And she has to like answer the phone with like no training or whatever. I just wrote down the being new phone answering anxiety. Uh, uh-uh. I hate talking on the phone as it is. And that's not just, like, a new, like, COVID quarantine, like, hating to people thing. Like, I just have never, I'm not a very comfortable on-the-phone person. And it takes a long time at a job before I feel like I know all the answers to anything anyone could ever ask. And that anxiety when you first started a job, and I've had a few jobs where I had to, like, be at the front desk and answer phones and shit. Oh, the first, like, month always just like constant anxiety like oh, i'm gonna say something wrong fuck so i didn't like that got it so let's talk about nate for a minute <laughs> i think i wrote this down when uh the whole yes it was his birthday and she had to miss his birthday because last minute she had to go to this like gala thing whatever i get being upset about that on one level. But up until this point, he's been nothing, and her friends also have been nothing but kind of assholes about her job taking up so much time and whatever. 
The note that I wrote down, so sacrificing her career for a boyfriend that shits all over her for her job, fuck him, Mm -hmm. big time. That would be like me being mad at you for missing my birthday party because a close friend of Hans Zimmer wanted to introduce you, and then I was pissed about that. Right. Like, she wants to be a writer. And she even turned down. This is the thing that kind of pissed me off. So, like, she turned down the hot blonde guy being like, come back into the party with me. I want you to meet the, like, editor of New York Magazine or whatever the fuck it was. And she's like, mm, I can't. I have to go home to my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and she brings a cute little cupcake with a candle and whatever. And he's still like, whatever, fuck you. And like, Yeah, what an ungrateful twat Nate is. Ugh, just pissed me off. And, like... That is, like, the first thing that I thought of, you know? Like, you and I both have... I mean, I don't I don't work at an office, at a place where I have to, like, give up every fucking moment of my day. I've had a job like that before and had a very not supportive other half. And it's not fun. It's not fun being caught in the middle of, like, I like my job and I want to work hard. And then having your significant other be pissed at you because you're sacrificing time with them. Like there's a, there's a period in your life when you kind of have to grind. Yeah. It just is. I've literally, I've been in a relationship before where she, these words came out of her mouth. She said to me, you would rather play your piano than spend time with me. And I because just, I was playing my piano one day. I just can't even fathom having that kind of attitude. Like, that is what you were made to do. That is what, if you have a possibly life career altering opportunity to make that happen for you, I would be nothing but happy for you. It's the same thing with Andy. She had an opportunity. This whole job is an opportunity for her to like have a golden ticket to work wherever she wants at the end of her being Miranda's assistant, A. But then B, she had an opportunity to get in with a higher up at a magazine or a newspaper that she would love to work at. And she fucking shat it in the face because her boyfriend's going to be mad. Right. So, and also the whole, you know, there's a lot of focus in this movie on like, you know, uh, if Miranda were a man, you know, it wouldn't matter that she was like this boss from hell. So there's, there's that going on, but it's also kind of the same concept that's happening with Andy this whole movie like if Andy were a dude and we're putting all of this work and effort and time and whatever into this job do you think that her partner or her friends would be up her ass for being an unreliable friend probably not right so that is in general scene scenes all balled up that I hate. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Ooh. The Mallies They Need to Fuck category. Oh my god, I feel like there are going to be so many possibilities. I'm excited. Alright, well, there's five possibilities that I wrote down. Well, I know, but like, there's so many people. This isn't going to be like, the crow and the crow. <laughs> I, I think I know which one you're going to pick. Alright, here we go. Okay. Andy, Sachs, and Emily. Mm-hmm. Miranda and Nigel. I don't think Nigel would be interested in... No, something tells me he likes the sausage in this movie. Correct. Lily and Doug, I think it says. Oh, her friends. Yeah. Miranda and her Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're <laughs> she dumb. Stuff the Starbucks 
cup of her. Ouch. Of her cute. Um, and then Nate and himself. Yeah. So Nate can go fuck himself. Yes. Fuck him. Fuck Nate. Go fuck yourself. Nate, go fuck yourself. That's what I fucking picked. Good choice. And then runner up is Andy and Emily, please. That would be hot. Okay. <laughs> Favorite quotes. I'm going to start. Do it. Okay. By all means, move at a glacial pace. You know how that thrills me. <laughs> uh, yes. That was a Meryl Streep quote. Yes. Um, oh, and Emily says, when uh, Andy first shows up for work, she says, wow, human resources has an odd sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's another Meryl Streep quote that I thought was hilarious. She's like, is it possible to find a lovely, slender female paratrooper? <laughs> I can't remember who said this one, though. Do you have some hideous skirt convention to go to? I think that was Emily. That was Emily, too? Yeah. Um, and then someone, uh, it might have been Nate, actually said this. Why do women need so many bags? And I wrote that one down because anytime you want to buy a new bag, you always justify it by like being like, well, I need a bag that I can put this into, or... I need a smaller bag so this fits in it real nice. Or I need a bigger bag because I need to fit this, this, and this in it. So it's like that's – and I'm like, okay, just buy the bag because you want the bag. You know what I mean? Right. You don't have to like <laughs> – I'm very proud of you for how many times you said bag, but you said bag. The Minnesota hasn't seeped into you far enough yet. Yeah. God damn it. I want your Minnesota to seep into me. <laughs> Okay, so at this point in my adult life, I now have three different kinds of bags. I've got, I've settled on a backpack for my work bag. Like I used to have, okay, this is going to be a lot of Minnesota. A lot of Minnesota. You're looking at me with a smile on your face. It's going to be big, 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 big. <laughs> so I I have an Element skateboarding backpack, which is perfect for my laptop, like as a work bag, if I'm going to go somewhere for work or a coffee shop. But it's also great for traveling because in the little skateboard hooky things, I can put my hoodie or my jacket so I don't have to carry it. Bag number one. Bag number two is my Target purse, which I would love to replace. It's just like a fake leather, like kind of satchel-y bag that fits a lot of shit. And I've had it for forever. It's going to fucking rip or break someday. And then I've got my cute bag right now that I have that is very versatile. It is a crossbody. I think I got it from Killstar, maybe. It's got a pentagram on it. Uh, you've only ever seen me use it as a crossbody bag, but I can actually, there's another strappy thing I can add and I can wear it as a cute little backpack, which the point of that is being places where you have to be there all day long and I don't want a fucking crossbody cutting my tits in half when I just want to have it on my back and not have to worry about it. Just kidding. I have four because I also have a fanny pack shaped like a coffin. Oh. Being a female. See? Okay. But fuck you. Fuck guys. Fuck you. And fuck you and your fucking shorts with all the fucking awesome pockets. I just went to a 2000s drag brunch and I dressed up like Avril Lavigne and I wore a pair of your cargo shorts. And I had so many awesome pockets. I didn't need a bag. I could put my cell phone and my wallet and my chapstick and fucking makeup shit all in the pockets. And I didn't have to carry anything fucking hate you <laughs> we have pants that have either fake pockets or no pockets or like i have these leggings on they're like a tiny little bitch pocket right here so like when you're working out you can put your keys in there or something <laughs> a little bitch pocket god Love so it. fuck off all right what are your quotes <laughs> um okay so stanley tucci probably one of the most recognizable lines from this movie but gird your loins that line i love that line 
just gonna say I love that loin. <laughs> uh, you can't talk about favorite quotes without talking about Meryl Streep and her iconic that's all that she does. Mm-hmm. Fucking love it. I like when she's talking to Andy. She's like, take a chance. Hire the smart fat girl. <laughs> if she's fat, I'm screwed. <laughs> right. There was a point in my life where I think I was a size six. I think I fluctuate between like a size six and a size 10 or something like that. I, weigh, I love your curves though. I weigh like 155 pounds and I'm like five, six, whatever. I'm happy with my curves and my butt and my whatever. So am I. You got tits and ass for days. TNA, motherfucker. Yep. Okay. I had to write this down. Uh, there's a point when Andy was like to Emily and she's like, you doing any fun, li- anything fun this weekend? And Emily was just like, yes. And walks away. I f- it's just like channeling everything I wish I could be whenever I'm in a office situation. I have to be around people. I have a client that sometimes I have to go into their office to work and it's just a bunch of really normal bitches and they want to just like talk to me about their plans and like, oh, I'm doing this this weekend with my kids and blah, 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 blah. what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't think you want to hear that we're having our chick friend over and it's sexual and <laughs> like, you don't want to hear about my alternative life. So I just have to be like, oh, we're just hanging out. Right. Yeah. So, I have to do that shit all the time. Yeah. So Emily being like, yes. And walking away, I'm like, fuck, yeah, I want to be able to do that. See, I think that we need a a new category in this podcast. That's what character do you relate to the most? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Emily. I relate to Emily the most. Miranda, for me. That's awesome. Because that's... I'm very dry. You are? I'm a boss at my job where I have to manage a lot of incompetent people in my evening job. Yeah. And they take you the wrong way. Cause you're just like, do this, do this. No, don't, don't do it like that. You're going to fuck it up if you right. do it like this. And then they like go in the back but also, like, when they're little girls who it's their first job. Right. But also I admire Miranda. I admire her and her character. I'm happy to hear you say that. Cause I've got a cool thing that I'll share in movie magic where Meryl Streep shares some insight about men coming up to her about this movie. That okay. I really loved. Uh, and then a sassy line that I just love is when, after Andy's hooked up with the hot blonde guy, I don't remember his character's name at all, but he calls her baby offhandedly, and she's like, I'm not your baby, and leaves. <laughs> just a moment where I'm like, yeah, fuck you. Fuck you, hot guy. Um, I wrote his name down. Isn't it like Christian or something like that? Oh, yeah. Christian sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Christian Thompson. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Um, I have a Jonah quote. Oh. It's when Anne Hathaway was running around in that, like, green kind of flowy tank dress that had a kind of like a belted thing around it. Oh, yeah. And you were like, she's got some cans on her. That's why you got to eat the corn chowder. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Girls shouldn't starve themselves because then they have no boobs or butts. Right. Yeah. It's it's a stupid give and take because our bodies are made to like ready us for childbirth. So it puts fat in some stupid places. Like, I don't know why my arms need so much fat. I 
do without that. But whatever. Whatever. Diane moment. Noticing things in the background. Um, I think this was something that I noticed in another movie too at some point because this sounds familiar to me. But um, the way she was sleeping on the pillow when she woke up at Christian Thompson's house would give her severe neck problems and headaches. Yeah, I think you're noticing that a lot in movies just because now our bodies need to go to the chiropractor on a weekly basis. And yeah, we I have a, one of those sleep sleep number pillows or whatever mm-hmm. for side sleepers. And if I didn't have that, then I'd be in trouble. And even with it, sometimes I still wake up with a stiff neck. So. Right. When you go on tour, we're doing everything we can to make sure that you're not going to die sleeping on a tour bus. I, I would love to bring my pillow with me, but that thing was, what, like $120? Like, I don't want to lose a $120 pillow in Europe. That right. would suck. Well, you've had that pillow for a couple of years now, and it will probably need replacing within the next year or so, because they yeah. only last so long. So if you lost it in Europe, it wouldn't be the end of the world. What was your Diane moment, a.k.a. Um, noticing things in the background? For me, it was noticing the cell phones. Because mm-hmm. this was circa around the time that I had my very first real cell phone, not a track phone, but a phone on an actual phone plan. Miranda had a silver razor and Andy had a sidekick. Okay. Uh, I had a pink razor. Pink. pink. I'm not very, not a very much not a pink girl, but the pink razor was really in. And it was so much fun. So I've forever just been on my sister's phone plan because my mom. My mom always just had track phones. She like never got with the times and got an actual cell phone plan because she's old. Um, but I was on Dina's cell phone plan and she'd already set up my phone and downloaded the little mermaid part of your world as my ringtone. And when I like picked up the box, it was like for Christmas, mm-hmm. she called my phone. So it played that as I was opening it. It was so epic. That's adorable. <laughs> I just remembered, unrelated, that we have um, maple nut ice cream in the freezer. We also have Jonathan Popsicles. We do have Jonathan Popsicles. <laughs> I think we still have, like, one of the berry ones left over, and then we oh, we've got coffee ones. Ooh. Ooh. After this episode, um, we're going to bone, and then we're going to watch The Sopranos. I was going to say, this is adulting at its finest. Like, I promise you, we will bone before we go to bed, no matter what order we do these things in. All right, good, because I'm getting cranky. You need it now. Yeah. <laughs> Not, like, bad enough that we have to pause this podcast episode and go bone and come back. <laughs> you know those commercials where they're like, it's my money and I need it now, or I want it now. <laughs> You're like, it's my boning and I want it now. <laughs> Well, your butt looks so good in those pants, and I, like, have to look at it all day. I know, like, have to. Like, poor me. And so it gets me all wound up all day long. <laughs> I was just so gung-ho to start the podcast. I was like, podcast first. You're like, I'm full of meat. <laughs> full of meat? I just had a steak. Like, I'm still full, and I needed to have some yeah. coffee because I'm in, like, food coma land. And I'm like, there's room for more meat in there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the music, dog. Yeah. Uh, all right, dog. So it was just like the the score was. Uh, I don't know who who composed it or whatever. It was, I didn't like, it was a variety of artists, but yeah, it was just sort of like it sounded like the kind of instrumentals you hear. You would hear it like a runway fashion show or in a department store. Kind of like upbeat, sort of electronic, kind of like you know shit. Or you'd hear it in like a like a fancy upscale bistro or something. You know what I mean? Right. Am I describing it right? Yeah, I think you are. Like I wrote down, the score was there. 
it was unimportant, but gave that fashion vibe. Otherwise, I felt like it, there were moments where it like told the viewer how to feel too much. Like, mm-hmm. I know that's the score's job is like to set the tone and the atmosphere, but not to like tell you everything you're supposed to feel. I like was, if something draws your attention, it's not done well. Like, if a line is said shitty, like, they're reading a line shitty, or if the music is out of place, you notice that it's out of place. Like, if things are good, you don't you don't notice them. They just flow. In the end, when Andy is on the sidewalk and she sees Miranda, and it's like a moment, and she, like, nods her head and waves at her, and Miranda's just, like, dead-faced, and she, like, doesn't even smile, and she gets in the car, and, like, the music, like, then gets a little ominous, like, oh, she's, she doesn't like you, and then Andy was like, Miranda, and then keeps walking away, and then it cuts back to Miranda in the car, and she smiles, and the music is like, oh, we're gonna be happy now. (laughs) It's just like, okay, stop telling me how to feel. I'm a fucking, I have a brain. The score, nothing to write home about. It did have some fun songs. Now that I'm thinking of it, I don't remember anything more than the two songs that I wrote down. So when the movie opens, it's that, I don't remember who the fuck sings the song, but it was really big in 2005, six. that Suddenly I See song. Right. Suddenly I See that fucking song, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Madonna's Vogue, which was perfect. Other than that, I can't really remember any other songs off the top of my head. Yeah, I think those were the two main ones. Let's take a quick break from the conversation to talk about podcasting. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're a fan of podcasts, and I bet you a million bucks that you have thought about starting your own podcast at some point in time. It may seem really, really daunting and overwhelming to think about getting something like this off the ground, but it's actually not that hard when you use a platform like Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is where we host our podcast, and it's hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. You can follow the link in our show notes, and it'll get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And on the flip side, it helps support our show too. So that's really awesome. You know, we use Buzzsprout and it just made the entire process of getting this podcast off the ground so much easier. All right, enough of that. Let's uh, get back to the conversation. Moving on to movie magic behind the scenes. I'm going to let you take this over. Can I get up and stretch my legs? Yes. Thank you. I'll open the door and go pet Brucey. Go pet the Brucey boy. Oh, there's a forest. Hey, buddy, you're never part of the podcast. Come here. He gets zero shits. I honestly, when it came to movie magic and behind the scenes, normally I'm popping into IMDb and gathering a bunch of trivia, or I'm reading Roger Ebert's review or other articles. I had a one-stop shop article, and that was all I referenced for today's episode. And it was an awesome interview that Entertainment Weekly did just this year, because this year was the 15-year anniversary. And you're going to hear rustling in the background, because I have a box from the post office that the cats are now going to get into. Babe? Yeah? I need you. Will you just grab that box that's on top of my base case and oh, yeah. move it? Because Forrest wants to be in it. 
So this Entertainment Weekly article, I, I actually, this is why I picked this movie to do, actually. I was eating my lunch one day, and I usually pop onto YouTube to find something to watch while I'm eating. Hi, Boosie! And the video interview for this 15-year cast reunion, uh, I watched that, and I was like, fuck yes, we are watching this for the podcast. I forgot how much I love this movie. And so I'm referencing the written version of this article, which I will share on our social media for this week. So I grabbed a bunch of really sweet snippets just because it's really fun to hear from everybody who was involved in the movie. So the movie was directed by David Frankel, and... This will reference something Jonah and I were talking about earlier about Miranda not being the villain. Uh, But David Frankel said, Something in me reacted against every beat of the screenplay at the time. It was a revenge story. It was very satirical. I just felt like I couldn't do it, and I did everything I could over the next few weeks to worm out of the meeting for the movie. I presented my vision for the movie, which was that Miranda is the heroine, not the villain of the piece, and that this was a coming-of-age story for Andy, learning what it took to be something great, or what it took to be great at something. Well, turns out that that was what the studio wanted, and... That is the movie that we see. They, they they did some rewrites and stuff. The movie was based on the book, and I think the first version of the script wasn't as awesome as we see in the movie. But yeah, so they ended up positioning Priestley as a celebration of unapologetic women instead of a one-dimensional villain, which I think just makes this story so much more complex. Again, it's not a one-dimensional bad guy movie. She's She's got a lot of things going on there. Emily Blunt, who played Emily, is talking about Miranda. And she says, Miranda gives us a character who a lot of us can aspire to, to be uncompromising, tough, real, honest, to the point, and not have to contort and dance to get your point across without hurting or offending anybody, which I think men have a much easier time with. I think this movie does a really, really awesome job of creating a character that does exactly that. Emily Blunt is spot on. Just some fun notes. Other considerations for the role of Miranda casting-wise, Michelle Pfeiffer, Glenn Close, and Catherine Zeta-Jones were all considered for the role. But once Meryl Streep kind of came into the equation, there was no, no going back. Anne Hathaway was actually the ninth choice behind Rachel McAdams, who was who the studio really wanted, and they offered her the role like three times, but she declined it every single time. Scarlett Johansson, Natalie Portman, Kate Hudson, and Kirsten Dunst, that they were all in the running for the role. So Anne Hathaway was just not at the top of their list at all for this movie, but Anne Hathaway really, really wanted it. She never gave up. She kept calling and calling and calling. And she even took a meeting with one of the Fox executives and wrote, hire me in her little like Zen garden, you know, the like little Zen garden things that people have on their desk. So eventually she got the job. Duh. I think I've already mentioned that, you know, Runway is very much a parallel to Vogue magazine And Miranda Priestley is very closely modeled after Anna Wintour, who is basically the Miranda Priestley of Vogue. 
McKenna, that's her last name is McKenna. She's the, um, the screenwriter. A quote from her was, I had enormous trouble finding anyone in the fashion world who would talk to me because people were afraid of Anna and Vogue, not wanting to be blackballed by them. There was one person who spoke to me whose name I will never divulge, who read it, read the script and said, the people in this movie are too nice. No one would be, no one in that world is too nice. They don't have to be, and they don't have time to be. After that, I did a pass to make everyone a bit busier and meaner, which I think is hilarious. Anna Wintour came to the first screening of the movie in New York, and this is a quote from the screenwriter. She said, she sat right in front of me and David with her daughter and wore Prada, which shows she had a great sense of humor. And the director said, I remember her daughter nudging her through the screening like, they got that right. A couple years later, he was at a tennis tournament in Miami, seated behind her, and when it was over... He he went over uh, to introduce himself, and he said, I'm David Frankel, the director of The Devil Wears Prada. And she took her hand, like, out of the handshake because she was offended, which I thought was really funny. Okay, Daddy's back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I have a few more things in movie magic behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, I kind of alluded to this earlier. So Anne Hathaway, there's a quote from Anne Hathaway. She said, I read the script so many times and I was expecting Meryl to come in imperious, loud, and barking orders. And she said her first line in a whisper and I almost fell off my chair. Meryl Streep then says, it was a direct steal from the way I saw Clint Eastwood run a set. He's someone that guys really respect, and he never raises his voice, ever. The one time he did, it was it, it so terrified people for two weeks, they were traumatized. In drama school, a teacher said, how you play a king has nothing to do with you. You're just you. It's how everyone else in the room acts when you enter it that makes you the king. It was all up to them to have the reaction. I could just speak and be slightly nastier than I normally am. <laughs> slightly nastier <laughs> I think that was, is just such a perfect choice you know it makes everybody shut up and pay attention to everything that she says mm, hi you're a, you're a perfect choice oh shut it um, I do have some notes about how they were like worried that Meryl wanted to have white hair in the movie and they were really worried that it was just going to make her feel too old blah 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 but obviously not the case she rocked it and now people doing gray hair as a hairstyle is a thing, which I don't understand. At one point when we were getting close to like the last act of the movie, we paused it so you could get up and go to the bathroom and you were like, I can tell you right now, depending on how this movie ends, I'm either going to be really happy or really pissed off. And so I took these notes down because the movie almost ended differently. The movie used to end with a slightly more upbeat scene with Nate, more of a reconciliation, which I feel like they had more of a reconciliation than was fucking necessary as it was. Um, a quote from, I think this was from the director. He said, they're so young and they're choosing spouses for their life, but we know that 25 year olds are not in that position. I had written, oh, it was the screenwriter, McKenna. Uh, she said, I had written a more conventional ending where they run through the park together or something. So stupid. I'm so glad they didn't go with that. I would, that's the ending that would have pissed me off real right. bad. Well, and even, um, I'm, you might expand on this in your bullet points, but I don't really have another 
avenue to talk about it, but there is like that last scene that Andy and Nate have together and is completely unnecessary. Her apologizing to him was such a like backboneless thing to do. Yeah. It was, I'm very happy that it ended up, he was going to move to Boston to be a sous chef or whatever. And she was going to stay and work for this magazine or newspaper. Good, but they did not need to mend fences that way. This is 15 years later, you know, and people have rightfully so painted Nate as more the villain than Miranda Priestly ever was assumed to be. And so 15 years later, when they had this, this cast reunion, Adrian Grenier, 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 who played Nate, this is a quote from him. He says, when that whole thing about Nate being the real villain of the film first came out, I couldn't get my head around it. I didn't understand it. Perhaps it was because I wasn't mature as a man, just as Nate probably could have used a little bit of growing up. I was just as immature as him at the time, so I couldn't see his shortcomings. But after taking time to reflect and much deliberation online, I can realize the truth in that perspective. Nate hadn't grown up, but Andy had. She needed more out of life, and she was achieving it. She couldn't support, he couldn't support her like she needed because he was a fragile, wounded boy. On behalf of all the Nates out there, come on, step it up. Right. Fuck yes. Um, You, I was surprised when you were like, I thought it was going to be Meryl Streep was an actual devil. I thought you were coming into the movie just assuming it was a chick flick, which is, I mean, it is a chick flick. Well, I did. That's what I've said earlier. I assumed it was a chick flick and I assumed that it was like Meryl Streep was actually really the devil in disguise. Like a, like a devil's advocate. Remember that movie? Oh, that type of thing. But it, like the it. female version of it or whatever. So uh, the movie was mar- heavily marketed towards women at the time. When it first came out, it was uh, counter-programming against Superman Returns, a film. The film grossed. The film grossed $124 million domestically and received two Oscar nominations, which is fucking sweet. These parts, I'm going to... Just pretend like we're talking about the impact and influence on the industry. This is basically what I have in that section. Um, Meryl Streep, a quote from her says, um, because they've given us such straightened circumstances to make the film with a smaller budget, this opened up and said that a chick flick can be a huge hit with a broad audience. This is the first movie where men have come up to me and said, I know how you felt. I have a company and nobody understands me. It's really hard. Yeah, I I like that, you know, the comments that you made earlier, they're very much in line with what she's talking about. Stanley Tucci has a quote, too, saying our society is conditioned to see the world through men's eyes in cinema and literature. And this started to make that change. I can't pull other movies out of my ass that are doing the same thing as Devil Wears Prada. But obviously, Devil Wears Prada is an awesome step in the right direction of trying to show you, you know, like a female executive or boss or CEO who is uncompromising. It's great that this was a really good movie, but it's even better that it was an important movie. So, yeah. So this was kind of a a marriage of movie magic behind the scenes and impact, impact, impact and influence on the industry. But um, this, this interview with the whole cast, this cast reunion was just ripe with so much, fun shit about Mm -hmm. the movie and there's so much stuff that I didn't even talk about so I'm going to share the interview like the YouTube video and the article definitely if you're a fan of this movie 
I just remember that there was a metalcore band called The Devil Wears Prada. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, that rings a bell, actually. So they named a band after this movie or book or whatever. Yeah. That's funny. That is kind of funny and silly. All right, so that's what I have for movie magic and all that jazz. Let's uh, move on to one of both of our favorite categories. Hey, Mallory. Hey, Jonah. Who would you bone? Anne Hathaway. Emily Blunt is also very hot. Can I just, I'm going to go on record and say that I wasn't really turned on by any of the dudes in this movie. Okay. Nate, just too much of a fuck boy. Go eat a dick. I hate you. And Christian Thomas or whatever. Yeah, he's handsome, whatever, but just not really my kind of type of guy. He just was too smarmy. I have a bullet point about this very topic. Okay, okay. Uh, we'll, for later. We'll save it for that. So okay. dudes were kind of off the table for me. Anne Hathaway, specifically when they're in Paris, and she's just wearing nothing but black all the time. Mm-hmm. She's just, she's got these eyes and lips that are just perfection. Yeah. She's incredibly attractive. I also she liked is. her as Catwoman. Yes. In uh, Dark Knight Rises, yeah. See, Anne Hathaway falls into the lady category of women that I'm attracted to that are like tall, dark hair. Oh, like the singer of a certain band. The singer of a certain band that I have a crush on. And there have been, uh, there was a gal that we dated for a hot minute that reminded me of that. Same person, and Anne Hathaway is in that same can I, I category. Can, I can say her name because it doesn't matter. Original Cassie. Oh, yeah, original Cassie. Yeah. Right. That is who we dated, not not the singer that I have a crush on. Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I won't say the singer's name that you have a crush on. I mean, who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? Anyway. But whatever. All right. Who would you bone? <laughs> uh, Emily Blunt. Yeah. Because that's good. she was really hot in this movie, but also she was really hot in um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. She, oh. When she was like a badass chick in that. Yeah. She's so jacked in that movie. Yeah. Everyone thinks that she should have been Captain Marvel instead of What's-Her-Face, Brie Larson. Oh. Well, you know, if if acting careers had kind of taken a different trajectory, like if she hadn't, if Emily Blunt hadn't gone down like the Mary Poppins road, maybe she would have been seen in a different light. To be Mary Poppins. I could think of such a good porno spinoff name for that. Oh my god, did we skip? No, we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, we haven't gotten there yet. No. My notes are just out Can of I order. tell you what my Mary Poppins would be? Yeah. Harry Poopins. <laughs> we did skip over alternate porn titles. It's supposed to be after quotes. We just went straight into the Diane moment. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Whoa, all right. Let's Let's, let's do that real quick. Alternate we'll porn title. Both of the sick categories right next to each yeah, other. Yeah, <laughs> sick categories. <laughs> You want to do mine first? Sure. My own suck. So I have the devil wears dildos. Okay, and I had the devil wears strap-ons because that makes more sense. Okay, you don't wear I, a dildo. I know. I actually thought of that, but alliteration: devil dildos. The oh, ditties. okay. That's where my marketing brain goes. So but the, okay, but that doesn't make sense. But anyway, you suck. All right, so I have the devil wears strap on, starring Andy Nutsacks. Because remember how earlier how <laughs> I told you Sachs. it was important that you knew Andy's last name, Andy yeah. Sacks, and starring Andy Nutsacks. <laughs> I'm stupid, but you're cute, so that's okay. All right. <laughs> 
Let's move on to controversial take. Uh, I have. There is nothing wrong with growing and adapting to succeed. You know how, so Anne Hathaway's character starts out as kind of like frumpy McFrumperston yeah. or whatever, and then like she becomes fashionable and dresses nice and, you know, and like her stupid wet blanket ass boyfriend, Nate, you know, is like shocked and maybe appalled by it in some way. Right. Like, I don't even recognize this, Andy. Eat a dick. Dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Yeah. Well, and just because she took a job and then became interested in something she wasn't wasn't interested in before doesn't mean she's not herself anymore. Like, yeah, you're exactly right. You're allowed to grow. Right. Like, I don't dress up. Like, when I'm on stage, the clothing, my stage clothing for metal shows is appropriate for that. I don't dress like that all the time at home. I'm sitting here in my pajamas and a Superman tank top. What? You don't walk around with your, like, sweet leather thing you bought at the Renaissance Festival? Yeah. (laughs) And, like, big, you know, clunky biker boots and... Yeah, your, like, Demonia Marilyn Manson boots. Right. Whatever. (laughs) Um, So my controversial take, honestly, isn't really a dig so much at the... The movie, because I agree with you, you know, like she was, she was growing and changing and she was, you know, realizing that you got to kind of like pay your dues to get ahead and whatever. And so like, I, I understand that, but also my controversial take is like that whole mentality of like, uh, Stanley Tucci even has a line about it. Like, you know, you're doing well in your job when like your personal life starts to fall apart or it's time for promotion when your personal life starts falling apart, whatever. Your job doesn't have to ruin your life. And I think a lot of people go through life being complacent because it's like, oh, well, but my job is, you know, supposed to be the most important thing in my life. And if all my relationships are ruined, it's because I'm taking my job seriously and whatever. Like, there's a balance. Controversial take. There's a balance. Emily, like, at that one point when she was just like, I love my job. I love my job. I love my job. I just had, like, a flashback to, like, all of the jobs that I've hated. And you just, like, want to die. And you're, like, in a cubicle. And it's like, okay, even if it's in an area that you enjoy. Like, I've had plenty of jobs in marketing. Yeah, it's in the area I like, but I didn't like that job. I didn't have to suffer through hating that job for the rest of my life. I eventually made my own path. Yes, you're raising your hand. Okay, thank you, teacher. Did you notice tonight um, when we we had dinner at Texas Roadhouse that all the wait staff had t-shirts on and on the back it said, I love my job with a heart? Oh, yeah. That made me think of that. And I was, I'm like, surely they couldn't all love their job. It's like, but it's like, because it's this big corporate restaurant chain or whatever that they're like (laughs) having to, I don't know. Right. That kind of bothers me. Right. It's a little too much. Like, I just sincerely doubt that they all love their job, especially our poor waitress tonight, who who was smoking hot, side note, but also, like, had to deal with two tables of crappy customers in a row next to us, and I felt so bad for her and left her an extra big tip. Yeah, and a really nice note on her receipt about how awesome she was, which, hey, people, you should really do that. You should, especially in corporate restaurants, because oftentimes, I don't know how it is with Texas Roadhouse, but oftentimes if... um, you get a, a nice compliment on your receipt or if you leave a verbal compliment up front about how good your specific server was, then they get um, rewarded with like gift cards to the restaurant or 
Or like a bonus or something. Yeah, some yeah, like little things like that. Like when That's I cool. when I was in my younger years and I worked at um I can't remember the name of it, but uh yeah. When I would get like a certain if you get like three customer compliments, then it's like you moved up the tier and you get more prizes oh, and stuff that's like cool. that. So. Well, sweet. Yeah, people do that. It doesn't, it's not pointless. And even if, even if your waiter doesn't get something for you writing that, it makes them feel better yeah. about their life. It makes their, their night less shitty, which right. I promise you every night that a waiter works is at least a little shitty because you never get through the night without dealing with at least one Karen or a Craig, you know what I mean? Right. So, okay. 100%. Anywho, moving on. Emotional take. Emotional take. I'm glad I have Mally to be half of the power couple that I am in. Yeah. Because we support each other and lift each other up and... I wouldn't be where I'm at in my music career if it weren't for you. And I helped you start your marketing business. Yeah. Instead of just being like, what? You're working hard and starting a business? And instead of, you know, fucking... Just eating shit at a terrible job and and having steady income. And lavishing me with attention instead. Like, I want you to succeed. Right. And you want me to succeed, and together we are a power couple. We are. And that's something that Nate would never understand. No. Well, yeah. I mean, we support each other. We are there for one another as much as we can. We take chances on each other. Like, you took a huge chance on me in me quitting my job and becoming a freelancer and starting my own marketing agency i didn't really see it as that much of a chance because i think that you're very capable and brilliant well thank you and talented and on the flip side like we took a chance together when we released your we are sentinels album and the two of us basically created an indie record label just the two of us right like we made an LLC and we released it ourselves did all the merch ourselves did all the licensing ourselves all of that shit. And that was a huge. <laughs> oh, that went all over my arm. Did it really? Yeah. Sick Ew. and twisted. I, love you. I still love you. You do? Yeah. Even though I sneezed on you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried not to sneeze I just on love you. you a little less now. Okay. <laughs> You're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. Okay. I love you. I'm, I'm glad that you're the other half of our power couple, too. Well, thank you. Yeah. So my emotional take. So this is a complex story and involves that, that leap in your life when you leave your adolescent relationships behind to chase your dream or your career or just chase your life in general. You leave the bitches behind, you leave the fuck boys behind, and you do what you want to do. And that just, that hit me hard. I feel like we've all been in those relationships, whether it was a high school relationship or who we dated through college or who we were dating in the early stages of our life. Having someone that holds you back is not conducive to you living a happy life. Correct. Having a partner that will support you and help you figure out what the right path in your life is and support you as you figure these things out, like that is what you want. And also, in the case of Andy in this movie, fuck Nate. Go fuck that blonde fuck boy. 
just fuck him. Just go have fun. He looks like fun. Just go have some nasty sex with him and then then go do your own thing. It's like his scarf that he had like really tightly tied around his neck. Right. Like, honestly, it's like that whole movie, there was maybe like two seconds of satisfaction of her and Nate being together and being a couple. But like, then all of a sudden Andy's in Paris and she's pressed up against a fucking light post, a Parisian light, light post making out with a hot blonde dude like that's your better a blonde dude a blued a blued that's what they're called in the scientific community yeah so just ladies out there in specific drop that piece of shit that's making you feel bad about your life just do it right get him out of there you know either don't be in a relationship or or if you want to be in a relationship with someone find someone that will support you and lift you up and help you Yes. Achieve your goals and dreams and all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Not not limit you. Yeah. That's my emotion. All right. Take. And the Oscar goes to drum roll. Mine goes to what I guess would be the writing because I wrote down the comedy. Yeah, the writing was great. The writing was fantastic. The comedy was just so smart and quippy and just yeah, it was pitch perfect. The well the writing in combination with the the actor actresses and actors yeah and their, their awesome delivery the cast was perfect so good it was really good um I have uh, I just wrote down Stanley Tucci for supporting actor I just you know yeah well I had him as supporting actor earlier in my notes too so mm. high five for that yeah rate the movie one through ten Jacobson I give her an eight point five this movie is solid titties. Um, I gave it an eight. In retrospect, I, it could have gotten a bit better score from me, but um, I just was so upset about the character of Nate. <laughs> yeah, you were really fired up. Yeah, like if we had done this episode like immediately after watching that movie, there would have been a lot of yelling. There would have been yelling, and <laughs> you might, for once, not have been the one that to be able to get in a word edgewise. I'm used to that, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Impact, influence of this movie on the industry. I feel like we already kind of covered it when we were talking about movie magic and behind the scenes and, you know, having a strong woman, boss lady, uncompromising, doing her fucking thing. You know, honestly, it's like when you think back to when they're in Paris and you learn that Miranda's getting a divorce and she's kind of sad and, you know teary-eyed whatever like she talks about how the media paints her as like the dragon lady whatever you know that like powerful dudes that are like in hollywood or just famous or whatever you know they've been married four or five fucking times and nobody bats an eye nobody bats an eye when a dude goes through four wives but god forbid the woman be more famous or more well-known and have a couple of divorces under her belt. Such a stupid double standard. Truth. So I thought it was really great to have such a strong woman character. And I think that if she wasn't a people pleaser, she didn't have to fucking be nice. You don't have to be nice just right. because you've got a pair of tits. So wonderful influence in general. Like I said, I can't really like... Here's a platter of movies that are directly influenced by the Devil Wars Prada, but it was there. Okay. It was there to influence the industry. Damn it. All right. Let's do your Jonah's bullet points, and I will <clears throat> shut my yap. Thank you. Jonah's... Don't say 
Thank you. <laughs> this is a fucking podcast where we talk about things. My yap needs to be open. <laughs> Keep your yap open, just not during Jonah's bullet points. All right. Jonah's bullet points, a.k.a. things I want to say but I don't really want to talk about. All right, here we go. Wet blanket significant other character is usually a female. It's nice to see that flipped gender-wise, a.k.a. Nate. Yes. This was a super funny movie. Stanley Tucci deserves as much credit as Meryl Streep in this movie. The symbolism of putting the bag and the coat on Emily's desk was really well done in that one scene. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, The wet blanket best friend was just an annoying and unnecessary character. And I feel like she was there because they... don't take this the wrong way, audience, but, like, they they needed some more diversity or something because it was all just white people. Oh, dude, she was, like, the only black person. Right, and I feel movie. like I feel like they created her character cause, just because they needed to have one, you know what I mean? It felt, like, as shoehorned in as uh, Giselle was. Right. You know? No, I think that's a fair comment. Um, and I'm sure there are plenty of people of color in the fashion industry, so. Yeah. Just saying. What's wrong with working hard and making sacrifices? Evolving as a person. It doesn't need to be viewed as selling one's soul. And that was sort of, that's sort of an overarching thing. Hi, Brucey. No. Oh, he's going to jump up in my lap. Brucey. Not during Papa's bullet points. Not <laughs> during Papa's bullet points. <laughs> We're changing it. Papa's bullet points. <laughs> but like the Devil Wears Prada, it's in the title, right? And obviously it's a reference to Meryl Streep's character. Mm-hmm. But uh, she's a hardworking and right to the point and, you know, kind of person. I don't know. Like I said, I identify with her character. So right. fuck off, Nate. People like Nate don't understand what a power couple is. Yeah. And never will. Uh Christian Thompson is a douche nozzle. <laughs> well said. Andy should have told Nate that it's bullshit that she should be happy for his promotion and new job. Because so at the end, you remember when um, Nate was like, oh, I got this. I got a job as a sous chef and blah, blah, blah. She should have unloaded on him and been like, fuck you, dude. You, you want me to sit here and be like, oh, congratulations on your job that you're going to have to go do and work hard at. When this whole time when I've been like literally suffering to try to get ahead working for this magazine, you've been just whining like a little fucking bitch. Fuck you, Nate. <laughs> you don't have to choose between a lame boyfriend that holds you back and a total douche. Like Christian Thompson, there's plenty of gray area in there and not even just gray area, but like other kinds of guys. It's not like one or the other. And the way this movie presented it was like, oh, you either get a guy like Nate or you get the complete opposite douche of douchiness, which is uh, Christian Thompson, who is a fucking tool bag. Yeah. End of bullet points. Thanks for listening. Yes. Thank you. Drive through. Thank you. Please drive forward. (laughs) That was wonderful. All very fantastic points, and I agree with you 100% on all of them. Well, you've already talked about how you're glad that I made you watch this movie, so... Yeah, I'm glad that you're glad. It was great. Yeah. I would watch it again with you sometime if we ever have time, but we don't, because we always have to watch new movies for this podcast. Well, someday when this podcast isn't a thing anymore, we're like, shit, what's a good movie to watch? Well, watch we've got more in our arsenal. Yes. So you are obviously picking next week. What are we watching? We are watching Showdown in Little Tokyo, starring Brandon Lee, who we discussed last week in his movie The Crow, Mm -hmm. and Dolph Lundgren. Right, which, ah, 
This might be my first Dolph Lundgren movie. Okay. I don't think I've seen... Have you seen Rocky IV? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. The Rocky movies are not my... Right. Thing. They will be. <laughs> and you're at least you're honest. at least watching Rocky Four. Uh, sure, I have seen whatever Rocky movie had Milo Ventimiglia in it. Right. That was um. That was just called Rocky Balboa, and that yes. was like so technically Rocky Six. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> Do you like my Stallone? I do. I do. Okay, good. From what I know of Stallone, that's pretty spot on. Yeah. Like. Speaking of Stallone, too, Demolition Man is on my list, so we'll get to that someday. Okay. Classic. Okay. Well, Mallory, thanks for making me watch this movie. Uh, thanks for being the non-wet blanket to my dry sheets and pillowcases. <laughs> and I will say thank you... Not in the way that she was a bitch to her, but like, thanks for being the Miranda Priestly to my Andy Sachs because you are an inspiration to me and you are driven and you go for what you want and you, you chase your dreams and you just kick ass and you do it and you are, you are an inspiration to me. Thank you. What sweet kind words. What sweet kindness. Hey, everyone. Go support your local movie theater. Go see Black Widow or whatever. Yes. Go see all those summer blockbusters this summer. Let's get movie theaters back in business. Yeah, so many good movies are coming out this summer. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Thanks for listening to this episode of Movie Lovers, and we will see you next time. That's all. Thanks for listening to Movie Lovers. If you like what you heard today... Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your feedback goes a really long way to helping our little podcast that could be seen by the world. Also, don't forget to give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram, too. You can find us by searching the handle Movie Lovers Pod on either platform. This is the part of the podcast where Jonah and I shamelessly promote our respective services that we provide in our careers. I'm a session musician and composer for hire. I do commission pieces ranging from podcast jingles to keyboard and orchestral arrangements, video game soundtracks, etc. The sky is the limit. If you're looking for custom composition services, you can find me on my website at www.jonahweingarten.com. That's J-O-N-A-H-W-E-I-N-G-A-R-T-E-N.com. Movie Lovers is a Mally Creative production. I, Mally, am the owner of Mally Creative, a marketing and multimedia design agency. If you or anyone you know is in the market for social media strategy, design, or management services, or perhaps you need a new website designed or even print or digital graphic design services, please reach out to me at my website, www.mallycreative.com. Again, that's www.mallycreative.com. If you'd like to advertise on our podcast, please reach out to us on social media, on our website at www.movieloverspod.com, or by contacting Mally Creative.